Hello and welcome to the Burncast. I'm Brady Burn. And I'm Kim Cass. Today we're looking at Stab This Christmas by K.F. Johnson and Jingle Hell by Magnus Huffer. As always, any criticisms directed towards the authors and works that we discuss are exaggerated for entertainment purposes and are not meant to be taken personally. Thank you for listening, happy holidays, and we hope you enjoy the show. Let's talk about Stab This Christmas and Jingle Hell. Let's talk about them. Now, this is the second annual Oh, holiday yeah. special, the yeah. second annual Christmas holiday special. Absolutely, and we're coming off of the huge success of our, uh, well, the huge failure, uh, technically, of our oh, Halloween well, they special. They failed, we succeeded, uh, yes. uh, you know, we delivered our Halloween special. Uh, the books written for the Halloween special did not deliver. Did not deliver. However, we're coming back to the holiday special in our Christmas-themed episode with two books that by all accounts, were the low-hanging fruit when we saw them, but have turned out to be something quite special. Wow. I don't know about you. You don't know about me. There were some very praising sounds. Some Yes. Uh, some amazing things I heard from your corner, and I think you heard the same from mine. Absolutely. I don't think either of us are going into this, uh, you know, thinking that the other person's no. book was unsatisfactory, good no. or bad, you no. know. Um, and uh, one thing that I want to make clear is that my bar was on the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the main criteria for these books was that they had something, anything to do with Christmas. Yeah, that wasn't to do with Amish or shrews or, or cowboy billionaires. <laughs> yeah. That was the only thing, really. We, we had such a hard time finding actual Halloween theme books for a Halloween special. And so we picked up these two books, Stabbed This Christmas, mm. looked like it to be a, a Christmas slasher of sorts. Yes. And Jingle Hell. Jingle Hell. Now, uh, both of these kind of double up on Halloween, actually. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess the authors um, in the run-up for Christmas Still had Halloween on their mind. Yeah, I think this episode is going to redeem the Burncast in several facets. Mm. Uh, number one, it's going to be a better Halloween-themed episode than the Halloween one. It's going to be a better Christmas episode than our last year. And I think it serves as probably the real conclusion to season three that Showstopper failed to be. Yeah, well, with Showstopper, we were looking for a good book, yeah. uh, a hidden gem, uh, as they <laughs> like to call them. And, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe... We did actually find something. Yes. I got to say that Stab This Christmas looked like the kind of schlock that you would expect from the title. I was thoroughly impressed with with the quality and emotional payoff of this story. That is incredible. I mean, like, (laughs) just from the cover, the cover, a Christmas bauble with a blood splat on it. Yeah. you know, <laughs> not, not not just that, but the author, K.F. Johnson, seems to be obsessed with stabbing. Mm. Uh, all of her books are themed around it. She seems to be uh, the empress of uh, romance, suspense, and stab fic. Yeah, wow, stab fic. Uh, quickly growing genre, I'm finding. <laughs> yeah. uh, nothing spices up a story like a good, a good uh, <laughs> yeah. roadside stabbing that, you know, out of nowhere and uh, incredibly violent. Yeah, and, and, and I pop this book open and w- what do I find is that the, the very first paragraph someone's getting stabbed. <laughs> so I, immediately I thought well, this book has already lived up to the promise. It's, yeah, well, uh, it would be a shame if you had a book uh, and in the title there was something like, well, I don't know, off the top of my head, like Shrew Island. And <laughs> they never go to the Shrew Island. No, yeah. no, this one comes out of the gate with the stabbing. Ah, well, that's good. Uh, and I suppose it happens around Christmas time. Yes, absolutely. This is infused with holiday spirit. Now, I'm going to get into Stab this Christmas first because I went uh, second on the last holiday special. And it's your rightful. <laughs> yes. I can see that the decision has been made. <laughs> yes. So uh, this is a story about a stabbing. 
a stabbing. On Christmas. On Christmas. I mean, did you pick it up thinking anything else? No. Uh, we get introduced to a lady named Samara. Now, uh, she's an African-American woman. She works as a chef. And in the first paragraph, as I said, she is coming home from a, a big Christmas shopping uh, expedition. And she just starts getting stabbed. I mean, like, <laughs> just knife is in and her, out, out all, all at once. And I believe she gets stabbed like 26 times. Oh, altogether. Jesus. That is um, horrific. It I is mean. horrific. And it's, it's uh, startlingly written. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she gets stabbed, like, in the head as well. Oh. And it really kind of makes it sound like she's, like, done in, uh, like, just right off the bat. But uh, we do learn that she was in a car accident when she was a child which uh, she also got uh, heavily injured and she, she has a metal plate in her head. Oh, and wow. this is what prevented the stabbing from really... Uh, oh, so kind of like the original malice, the original yes. uh, tragedy uh, has come through and now saved you. Yes, mm. exactly. So she makes it out of this with a lot of stab wounds, but uh, she does... She does survive. She does survive. And so that little bit of backstory when it's introduced is when stabbed this Christmas really starts to blossom. <laughs> and that's because like I thought this book was going to have like very little substance to it. You know, I was looking for a bit of stabbing yeah. and, and, you know, maybe some like schlocky romance and stuff. But mm. uh, that's what I kind of predicted that, well, that it was gonna, yeah. there was going to be at least a stabbing. I mean, it would be a crime to sell a book that was called Stab This Christmas. It didn't yeah. have a stabbing. So I expected a stabbing. Yes. And then I expected it to turn into some like very well, like lowbrow romantic yeah on the surface a lot of this stuff seemed to be the bias to go in with you know Kim mm. johnson she's got all the marks of like her books kind of look similar she's got these funny book trailers yeah that she's are, like a know, ghost writer to, like you only yeah. write like uh mar maritime speedboat books but i'm gonna say that that's the real mystery to uncover is that kf johnson is actually a fucking good writer yeah who, who who knows how to like slip the story in when you weren't expecting <laughs> it is it something where like the pitch was like low and like the, the uh, absolutely the content was a, a, like high above way above mm. the watermark because that is incredible because she gets stabbed main character gets stabbed and it starts talking about her backstory and this is where like you know how we've talked this whole season about these weird social fantasies that dominate the main story of the book well oh, yes the social development of this book is like the main course Oh my god, that is like I just but like in the it? best possible way. Because I, like all of the stuff that's introduced, like all of her family members start showing up. She's got her boyfriend who is is sort of tied up with an, an ex-wife who he has a child with. However, it turns out that the child is not his biologically. You know, his ex-wife had cheated on him. Ooh. And so she's got a child, but you know, Wes, the boyfriend, didn't find out until like much later. So he's very attached to this child, but it's not really his. And the mom, it turns out to be a bitch. So the child starts to stay with Wes and Samara, the main character. So it's like immediately setting up a very complex uh, social yes. dynamic uh, where that's... like this kid doesn't belong to Samara or Wes. It's not his biologically. And she's like his new partner. However, like, they're the real parents in a way. Yeah. But, you know, this fucking crazy bitch has custody of her. And, like, the drama escalates immediately. Yeah, that's like a threat level crisis. Yeah. And you've got, like, a bunch of characters that come in. And they've all got, like, some level of backstory. And, and it immediately gets you wrapped up in, like, this is a, a complicated situation to navigate. Yeah, it's not just the stabbing. It's No, uh, but, fuck. like, the social 
It's not a social fantasy. It's like an actual like social development. It's like a real story. Yes. <laughs> the characters are like really believable and <laughs> they actually want things and don't get them and then figure out how they can get them. This is not an episode of the Burncast, apparently. I know. <laughs> and, and, and so here I am thinking, all right, you know, when's the next stabbing going to happen? And, <laughs> and I'm getting wrapped up in this real story, you know. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. All right, now, did it make you scared? Were you worried that because the book is called Stabbed on Christmas, uh, that someone else was going to get stabbed? Or did you, oh, was, yes. or was the, the stabbing sort of like, did you think that, oh, okay, the stabbing has happened? Or yeah. were you worried that this was going to happen again? Does it play it like when? will the killer strike next absolutely and i would say that the, the real like strength of this book is knowing how to do a mystery like how to do a proper like because you don't know who stabbed her yeah you know you, you kind of get the idea from you know the detective talking to her in the hospital like you know do you have any enemies and she says like yeah i've got this drama with this bitch who you know i was sleeping with her husband but i didn't know it was her husband and now i'm with wesley but this bitch still comes after me i had to get a restraining order against this other bitch because she uh made sexual advances towards me while we were working in the same restaurant but then i had to get her fired and i have a restraining order and it's like setting up okay here are the players right so you have a, a side segment so you have a lesbian romance gone awry <laughs> yeah. as, a, as yeah. a backdrop to, to like, a stab thing to, to your stabbing that, yeah oh my god <laughs> and, and then you've got this like family crisis yes like, crazy lesbian dynamic and then yeah. more more because it, oh like it, it, it ratches up like the intensity of this stuff in like such a great way and i'm gonna say that like the main strength of this is the character dialogue i just want to read a little bit from samara the the stab victim uh, uh, uh <laughs> talking about uh you know herself and her reflection on this uh, terrible event and she says for the first time in my life since I gained the extra 20 pounds that forced me into plus-sized wear, I was glad I <laughs> I was glad I had worn the rubbery latex cincher that I absolutely hate, trying to be sexy under my new leather dress. It was worth it to feel like all my stomach organs were being smashed together into a pretty little hourglass for a few hours if the thing doubled as a stab resistant. <laughs> So, so she she's packing body armor. Yeah, she's packing body armor, and she's thick. <laughs> and I, I think love that's, how it plays. There. Yeah, like, that's like the the writing is so clever about introducing like stuff like that. Hmm. We're also adding the dynamic of she's struggling with her weight. You know, she she's not like some sexy. You know, this is more problems for one character than we have seen in all of the books that we've as read. A composite, this. Yeah. I know. This and is this incredible. is like on the third page. <laughs> And it just goes from there. Like, I honestly, I don't even want to reveal too much of what happens. You, want, you don't want to spoil it. Oh, I'm going to spoil it. But I'm going to say right now, if you want like a good slasher social dynamic story to read over Christmas, go fucking buy this book and go buy all of K.F. Johnson's books. This is incredible. Like, I've never, I've never heard such praise for a book I know. Before. Like, <laughs> and in a book called Stab This Christmas. I know. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I want you to you know, stab your money into her bank account. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to just uh, drive my money right in and out of her bank account <laughs> as soon as I can. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing really gets me in the holiday cheer, like a good stab. I know. that When I'm wrapping up my Christmas presents, you know, I'm really <laughs> thinking, oh gosh, what I could go for right now 
now is a story about where someone is immediately stabbed 26 <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah, and good thing that uh, she's struggling with her weight because, uh, you know, the cincture that uh, she was wearing doubled as a stab resistant. Uh, now that's you know, got to be a big blade to get through that. Yeah, well, that's the thing is she was initially attacked with a paring knife. Ah. Now, this can do a lot of damage with a lot of stabbings, but overall, you know, the, the damage is like cosmetic mostly. Yeah. It's not like a butcher's blade. No, no. She doesn't get absolutely butchered. No, no. I, I, she, you she, would expect like a cutlass to do some real damage. Yeah. This is a paring knife. You, you might you might walk away from that. Yeah, she's got a couple of stab wounds from it. Worst of all are the ones in her hands because she's a chef. You know, she starts to think, am I Oh my one? god! So she also has a work complication Oh yeah. She's got I didn't even stab. mention that. She gets stab wounds on her hands so she's like out of work. This is the thing that drives her. It's her passion. She comes from the Caribbean. She wants to open up a Caribbean restaurant, and those dreams got to be put on hold. She wants to get married to Wes, but KK, his daughter, who's not really his, is tied up with his bitch ex-wife. And there's all this is happening right around Christmas, and all of a sudden she gets stabbed. <laughs> this is crazy. I know. This and, is so impressive. And now the next element I want to introduce is is really the the emotional linchpin of this. You know, you've got all this stuff going on, and it develops as you'd expect from a real story, which is you know sacrifice sacrifices are made. There's lots of like KK, the little girl, like she, you know, she loves her mom, but her mom is an outright bitch. Like she doesn't want her staying over with Mara and Wes for Christmas, especially not when Mara's just been stabbed. That's not an environment for a child, according to Kenya, the bitch wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's things like Kenya says, okay, you can stay. This book feels like, you know, you just want to dive in and start defending some of these characters from the other characters. Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) I I mean, you know, I, I... I'm reading this and like I'm like I can't prevent this stabbing. You know who can? But I, I want to prevent these family dramas from yeah. escalating. You want to go? You want to step in and go, guys? Can't yeah. you see KK is <laughs> screaming for attention? Yeah. You both love her, right, guys? Come yeah. on, let's work together here. We need like a Doctor Phil on this. I know. Maybe I- with some doubled up. Uh, stab resistance yeah. some sort of <laughs> make sure to put on some weight the next time you feel like someone's going to come at you with the cut knife yeah I mean like you want to bulk up before <laughs> <laughs> anyways so you know as this drama escalates there's lots of like tells in a classic mystery sense where mm. you know at the end of a mystery like the the author should give you all the pieces so that you could kind of work it out who's mm. like going to be the you know who who done it yeah. and this book does that so well because there's lots of little things that are like they're put right in front of you but they're like background things there's stuff like Wes the boyfriend he's talking to his little girl KK and she's like oh uh is mommy going to get her christmas ring and then Samara who's been stabbed is thinking, wow, this is going to be the best worst Christmas ever. I'm about to get uh, uh, some sort of proposal. Oh my gosh! And so the, the, I just want to top this off by saying this is an additional element. Yes, a, a soon-to-be-wedded couple. Here. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. they're this on, is like they're, they're, this is crazy. They're on the cusp of greatness, and lots of stuff are holding them back, including the bitch ex-wife and the stabbing. Yeah, I mean the Christmas stabbing. <laughs> you know, was least real, of all. Yeah, <laughs> we all sit back on your plans there. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to go to work and and you know, do my job as a chef, but yeah, but but that's the thing is it, it's so clever of like it introduces is this and you think oh the main thing i'm being told here is that you know samara is going to get a proposal from wes but the main piece of information is that kk can't keep her mouth shut because it comes back later when you find out that the the bitch ex-wife is the stabber 
But oh, she's been God. like in the background. And the way it's justified that she wanted to stab the main character was KK let it slip to her mom that, you know, Auntie Mara is getting a ring from daddy. She doesn't understand what this means. Yeah. But that's the thing is like that's put in front of you of like, oh, focus on the proposal and the relationship. But it's actually the clue. It's the clue. Oh, my God. That's clever. And bitch ex-wife gets jealous and and goes in for the kill. (laughs) As you would. Right. I mean, like you're not just going to let your (laughs) ex-husband and his new happy fling. uh, Yeah. Basically take over your daughter who they have no relation to, but she wants to be with. Mm. No, you wouldn't let that. That's when you bring out the paring knife. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's when you go for the skull. I want you to keep the paring knife in mind because it's going to come back. The real emotional kicker here is, again, how the author deliberately uses you as a participant in the story. Because one of the other things that's introduced is that Mara's sister is also kind of a bitch. And she lives back in the Caribbean and they don't talk much. They, they don't get along. It's explained that Mara was kind of the daddy's girl and that the older sister never really got much attention. And the older sister comes to visit Mara after the stabbing. Yeah, of course. You know, she wants to be there for the holidays, but she's like, I'm only going to stay for three days, you know, just to help you out. But she's like a, she's an insufferable bitch as well. She's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, your friends were really rude to me in the car and and I'm doing this for you. It's that kind of like, no one asked you to come, but you're going to guilt that person for giving yeah. help that you didn't ask for. Yeah. And so it sets you up. It cleverly sets it up of like, you're supposed to think this lady is a fucking insufferable bitch, right? And then, is it going to flip that? Is it going to flip it? Well, it flips it almost immediately because then there's this element of Mara and and the uh, older sister they they start to like kind of bond over the f- the fact that you know Mara's been stabbed yeah and there's this this hint of like you know I really regret these years we've wasted not being good friends and and you know maybe I'll 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 use this time to try to improve that relationship you know the the sister while she immediately comes off as a bitch you do realize there's a nuanced reason for that she deeply resents mara for the relationship she had with her father and she feels like she was left out of the family no one even goes to check in on her or knows that she's a professional singer back in the biggest restaurant in their hometown and so mara starts feeling a little guilty about this and in the next scene the older sister gets fucking stabbed <laughs> Bitch ex-wife comes back into the house for a second round of stabbing. She and comes this, back. This time she brings the butcher's blade. Oh my god. <laughs> she brought a bigger knife and she came in and it's also set up that Mara and her older sister look almost exactly alike but they're not twins. So Mara's older sister gets mistaken and stabbed to death by the butcher's blade. The paring knife couldn't do the job. <laughs> so she upgraded and came back to kill. Yeah. Oh and she comes god. back to kill and Mara comes downstairs limping because she's still recovering from her stab wounds. And sees her older sister, who she just decided she wants to make things up with. Oh, my God. Now having life lifted I mean, she's, out of her. Yeah, she's ebbing away. I, yeah. You know, she's... Yeah, I mean, the cut knife is still going Blood. deep in. Oh, gosh. That's and, horrible. <laughs> and then little KK comes down the, the stairs. Little KK is there? Little KK is there. And this is uh, another great... Like, you could have figured this out because... There's a scene earlier where bitch ex-wife calls the the little girl, the daughter, and, uh, you know, she's like screaming at her like, no, you can't stay over there for Christmas and this sort of thing. Mara grabs the phone and when she looks at it, she sees the bitch ex-wife with one of her friends and they have like a, a turquoise car. Well, 
Now she's remembering that because of the police report said there was a turquoise car fleeing the scene of the stabbing. So it's like as soon as you learn that, now Mara knows it was the bitch ex-wife who did the stabbing. Oh, That's shit. when she comes back, stabs the older sister. KK comes down and Mara says, oh, my God, it's your mom. Like your mom is killing my sister. And KK comes down saying, mommy, mommy, while the cut knife is, is in her hand and there's blood everywhere. Oh, my God. And the mom tries to be like, I'm not your mom. Go back upstairs. But she can't even like mask her voice yeah, yeah. and little KK goes up and hugs her mom, you know, on the waist and says, please don't kill Auntie Mara, mommy. I'll be good, I promise. If you just don't kill my auntie. And it <laughs> is like gut-wrenching. It's like, oh it's like the, the kid is feeling like it's her fault that the stabbing happened because the ex-wife is jealous of the boyfriend going off and being with Auntie Mara. And now you've got little KK grasping at her mother's side I mean, I haven't even read that book, and I'm like, butcher's blade in hand. <laughs> and she finally gives it up. Well, she just gives it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mara's sister is bleeding out on the floor. They lock eyes one more time, and then she passes on. Now, you would think that's the end of the story, but it's not. There's an epilogue. Right before that scene ends, the ex-wife slashes her own throat oh, Jesus because she Christ. can't bear the thought of her young child witnessing the butchering that she just did. And uh, she does survive from this, but she's put in like maximum security. You know, oh, you want to lock those stabbers yeah. away. But that's the thing is there's no real happy ending to this. You know, there's an epilogue of like three months later, things have kind of stabilized. Like the main character got a new house because she can't live in the place that her sister was stabbed in murdered and that she was stabbed uh, in, in the driveway and uh, it's her birthday and Wes has taken her out for a nice dinner and that ring still hasn't come around. Now they're having a nice dinner at this, you know, this uh, restaurant that cooks food of the Bahamas, the traditional dishes that Mara loves and there's no one in the restaurant. Wes must have, you know, bought the whole place out just for them. And Mara says, oh, what is this place called? And Wes says, you tell me. And she's like, what? I, I don't understand that. Later, the ring comes out and he says, you know, I don't just want to marry you. I own this restaurant now. I bought the lease for two years. I told you to tell me the, the name of it because it's your restaurant now. I know, <laughs> I know this stabbing has put our plans to go back to the Bahamas on hold. And that's why I want you to start working on your dream here. And little KK, they get custody of her because mom is off in maximum security. Well, wow, you would hope so. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, it's kind of a happy ending, but like her sister's dead. This little kid is going to grow up like with huge Weird amounts of trauma issues, yeah. and all this stuff. But like, I felt something reading this book. I felt many things. There are multiple emotional payoffs. Even side characters have dynamics that really fit into this story and I'm not even including all the minor, like, little Christmas-themed things that go on, like, you know, that they're watching Christmas movies, and it talks about, like, you know, the pressures of Christmas and all this stuff, and it is, like, <laughs> it is just... Well, I mean, Christmas time is a great time. Usually, it's not handled very well, but you can focus in on particular feelings, feelings yeah. of home, feeling of loneliness, yeah. feelings of pressure yeah uh, you and, know. and survival yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is is like you know the the whole like drama at christmas thing is about oh it builds up all this stuff but finally everything comes together you yeah. know like that's what a classic christmas story is yeah 
And this is actually taking a little more realistic turn, which is like not everything comes together. People die, you know, families are destroyed, but you know, there's this people, sliver of hope. Yeah, people get stabbed, yeah, big time, big time. I mean, you know, the the knives get upgraded. Uh, yeah, like you, you, well, if the paring knife isn't going to do, you're going to want to sharpen up. You're going to want to size up. Yeah, you know, you you're going to want to go at least a butcher's blade, oh, if yeah. not some sort of saber. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I you know, I dreaded to see what a third stabbing would have looked like. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So that stabbed this Christmas. Incredible. I mean, I, Truly I was, incredible. I was absolutely like more so than just reading this as like sometimes we come across a good book for the podcast and I enjoy reading it. But this transcended like reading for the show. I genuinely felt things reading this that I, I have not in any other single burn cast book, which is like, I mean, I you made about... me feel things just telling me about it. I know. I That's mean, crazy. I almost feel like I'm getting stabbed reading it. <laughs> I feel for little KK. I oh, mean, that's tragic. It's a tragic time. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the, the most surprising thing was the crossover from one of our previous books. There's a lot of pizza stuff in this story. <laughs> There's a lot of pizza stuff. Yeah. Pizza, big Christmas dish, apparently at the yeah. Mara house. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's red. It's... Well, actually that even comes into like the character a little bit because, you know, they're like, well, we'll, we'll order pizzas and watch Christmas movies. And Mara's like, oh, I can't, I never order food. I'm a fucking chef. I can't believe I have to eat pizza because it's like against her, like it fits into the character, even though it's like just a random afterthought. It's like everything fits together so well. Every single sentence is used to drive the character's emotions and the dynamics between them. No character is flawless, even like the husband who's like, you know, just super positive and, and supportive. Like, you know, he struggles a lot with his ex-wife and to get along with her sister and all this stuff. Like it, I was transported to a, a very simple world, you know, a family at Christmas with a little bit of stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> but I was transported like yeah. in a way that like no other book we've read has. Yeah. And, and that is just, K.F. Johnson is a fucking author. Yeah. Like she's a, she is a working gal. Yeah. And, and like, I think sh she deserves your hard earned money for her work. Even though it looks like kind of trashy, like kind of yeah, because I mean that's what I was also gonna say. It looks like everything else on Amazon. Yeah, it looks like everything else on Amazon. It has a you know a funky sort of like oh, you it know, looks like every book is copy pasted. Is, yeah, the the covers are. But underwhelming I, but i think that's just her working within the market it's do you like, think she's like punching below like kind of uh, trying to you know maybe do a lot of the production and the promotion herself try probably. to go for a lower brow sort maybe. of look and then slipping in like true writing underneath yeah like, <laughs> like it's probably that <laughs> you because know I, I it might be that something i like this is huge speculation yeah i don't know the business and i don't know the certain cultural things that go into you know who knows what selling books in one place and books in another or online or whatever yeah well, every audience is different i'm not gonna buy a stabbed on yeah. christmas book i would never do that yeah it so looks like, silly like, it looks silly maybe you have this idea for a book and you know that it's going to be a really hard sell to like more mainstream audience so you go you make it look more like a schlocky romance that you know which you know sell well would, yes. just based on very basic, know, basic information. things yeah. and then you slip in this like genuinely heartfelt and and surprising mystery thriller that's crazy you know that's absolutely with, stunning with one more stabbing than i was even expecting yeah and i mean like to be honest we say like oh it's a shame if it, uh, you say something on the cover and it's not there. 
Um, However, they doubled the amount of stabbings I was expecting. Uh, like when the stabbing is so, you know, uh, I, I want to say real and, and yeah. uh, puts pressure on the reader, you know, then uh, one stabbing is more than enough. I, I <laughs> yeah, like how many scenes do you want where like someone's getting <laughs> like really done in, you yeah. know, like a, a prison cell type, yeah. you know, affair. And you don't want to read that no, 10 times. You no, want to... not, not when little KK is there. No, <laughs> not when KK is there, not at all. And I will say there, there was one other like little bit that I really loved, which was even kind of funny. And the book played it as a joke, which was like every once in a while they'll be talking about something. And I, I believe they were talking about infidelity, you know, the main character and like some of her friends. And one of the other characters who's pregnant and her husband's not in the room, she comments like, Oh, my man would never cheat, you know, or even if he did, he knew I'd stab it out of him. Like, oh. and, and then, she, and then she, and everyone's gone. It, it works on two levels. Because <laughs> first of all, you're like, no one just lets no that one slip. Says that. No one says that. It's not she, like when I'm eating my cereal, I, I just blurt out in front of you. <laughs> man, I, w- I wish I could just stab the cereal. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's not like... You know, you think, well, maybe maybe they're the stabber. I mean, who else would infuse, like, you know, stabbing into their everyday conversation <laughs> unless they were a stabber? Yeah, I mean, unless they got stabbing on their mind already. Yeah, I mean, it's just all they can think about. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all that I can think about. <laughs> the thing is, is it's also played as like, oh, sorry, I can't believe I said that, Mora. After you've been stabbed. Yeah, and her, after you got really shanked. Yeah, done in 26 <laughs> times by a paring knife. <laughs> and, and the main character's reaction is mostly just like, mm-hmm. That is so great. Well, the, the the aesthetic is also really there in this. You know, they they talk about, like, that bitch talks bad about me and it makes me want to rip her bougie-ass wig off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> Honestly, it, it like it's an extra layer to the book that is just so fantastic. Yeah, I mean... You know, really, that's it gives character to all but of these that people. that is what flavor is. You could have those characters in any setting, future, past, or present. Yeah. The core challenges are kind of universal. And that's yeah. why it reaches past all colors and peoples yeah. and cultures. And you end up with a really telling, really relatable story. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, God forbid anyone or anyone they know gets stabbed this christmas but i know i i'm feeling for anyone who's ever been done in 26 times with a pairing knife <laughs> yeah and, and done 26 more with a butcher's blade. i know and i just want to write a special little letter to kk now and yeah, go look I girl know. i'm there for you i know if you need anything pro- i promise i won't bring up pairing knives so. yeah we'll, we'll keep the kitchenware out of sight yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's all I'm going to say about Stab this Christmas. Go out and read it. Uh, yeah. Honestly, like you'll get way more out of it than anything else that I could have reviewed this So Christmas. this is a strong recommendation. Absolutely. Like with full confidence, not as like a joke or like, a, you know, as a silly. But if read. you want a really hardcore ride through a really rough Christmas time. Yeah. You want to read about someone getting stabbed and feel like you're getting stabbed in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, I you know I'm gonna spend uh, my Christmas uh, you know just being thankful. Yeah, uh, you know I haven't been done in with a pairing knife. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. just absolutely bodied. Yeah, <laughs> I mean just like really really stab. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's just no question about it. No. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yes, definitely a topic to avoid with those that have been stabbed. Yeah. Don't talk about you know being stabbed. I yeah, mean, it's don't, just don't ta- don't talk about stabbing information out of your husband. Yeah. around a stab victim. Uh, yeah, you don't you want to cut that uh, Christmas turkey up real uh, 
slowly and slowly you know. and calmly you don't want to jab the knife in <laughs> no you don't want to body it <laughs> you don't want to do it 26 times <laughs> no 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 you don't want to feel like that 26 times was unsatisfactory an upgrade to a butcher's blade yes, <laughs> certainly not or some sort of carver you know <laughs> you don't want to do that some sort of flesh sword <laughs> yeah you're just a nasty meat cleaver <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, well, K.F. Johnson. Uh, uh, best author, Burncast Award. I uh, must go this far to uh, Stabbed This Christmas. Best book, best yeah. author. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, mean, you have given me hope. Yeah, that's incredible. That's really amazing. Oh, that's Stabbed This Christmas. Now, I am eager to hear about Jingle Bells. So we have returned, yes. uh, you know, uh, to the second half, the second story, and uh, what a story it was. Jingle Hell. Yeah. A, a book with a flaming hellish cover, uh, a guitar, and um, some pretty obvious path marks to its story. Mm. Uh, well, I expected not much. Uh, my bar, yeah. as I said in the beginning, was on the floor. Yeah. Like. Uh, holiday stories never bode well. Uh, no. uh, we have just been proved that that is a uh, very uh, prejudiced opinion to hold because yeah. they can be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> they can be really good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this book was shocking. 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 In what way? It was shockingly good. No way. <laughs> yes. Jingle Hell is a story about Christmas. It's about hell. It's, uh, you know, a little bit whimsical. The synopsis was a little well, bit, like, that's the thing, silly. Is it, it's a little bit, like... It looks like a story built on gimmicks. Yeah, right? Like, the idea of going to hell uh, on Christmas and, It looks like know, it's going to try to be funny with all those things and not succeed. Yes, and uh, as you know, and for studious listeners, uh, they will recognize that I hate attempts to be funny yes. in a book especially these types of books yeah it's just not something that is easily done no so this book had a huge prejudice for me yeah i i was ready to cringe i was ready to cry <laughs> i was ready to really have a hard time reading it and it handled itself deftly oh my god Th this isn't an episode of the broadcast no this is a real review show now yeah uh, <laughs> we're talking where, about good books yeah and i and i'm just gonna say right off the bat if you purchase jingle hell uh, you will get exactly what is sold on the cover. You will get a rocker that has gone to hell and is experiencing Christmas time in a comical but, you know, a touching way as well. Like a witty comical. Yes. Like... It, it's it's not shoveling comedy down your throat. Yeah. It knows it's kind of silly, stupid, fun. Like it, yeah, it's, yeah. And it gives you some laughs, but it, it's not asking for much. Yeah. I will say that it's a little hit and miss when you're doing comedy. Of course, for your whole thing to land, that's you've got to be crazy good. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the same joke is kind of done over and over again. Well, that's the thing is like mm. it, maybe the the idea is done tricky. well, but, you know, does it play out for the full length of a book or does mm. it get old? Like, yeah. ha ha, hell is actually funny. Yeah. Now, we'll jump into the story. Uh, yeah, like, uh, take Please me there. know that this is written in a, a lighthearted tone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it never spells out hell in like a, you know, oh my God, this is so terrible kind of way, except for the obvious. Yeah, well, to put it metaphorically, it doesn't start off with a stabbing. No, yeah, not like a <laughs> grotesque. Now, I will say that this, you know, uh, being turned over uh, like a rotisserie chicken, 
uh, over licking flames is you know painful as anything but like the character <laughs> is going oh boy like you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well actually while the characters are being tortured there isn't any like oh not this again you know yeah. there actually isn't that you yeah. know while the characters are being tortured it is torture you know yeah. and the the demons they love to torture yeah this is a fire and brimstone hell okay uh where uh you know the demons are vying for the most evil ways mm. of methods and of torturing someone and it is constructed as like a you know traditional hell type yeah. of landscape now our main character is already in hell at the beginning of the story oh, okay. and the narration is from his perspective and yeah. he's sort of reflecting uh, on his experiences and the book is a constant reflection mm. on uh, his life yeah. basically uh, in hell and before so uh he dies in a segway accident and uh yes by itself that is like if you were going for laughs off that then like no it's not funny yeah. you know however that's not the joke really oh. the joke is that it's such a pathetic way to die and that throughout his experience in hell satan for example constantly uses this as a way to tease him like <laughs> You know, <laughs> you better do good on this job because I got a whole lot of segues charged up and ready for you. Like it's <laughs> like the like it's yeah. a humiliation thing for him. Yeah. It's not like the segue accident is funny. That's not the funny thing. It's 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 the way that they use it. And so that's like the kind of comedy that I actually go. I see. Like that is yeah. funny. Like the Satan continuously bringing up the waiting segues. Like they're dangerous to him. <laughs> they're his like poison. Yeah. Is classic. But he starts off in hell. You get to see a little bit of the parade of hell uh, going forth. Kind of what you would expect. And then his own prejudices laid against like the reality of what's going on. Yeah. For example. Uh, you have a prejudice that when you're lined up with other inmates of hell, it's kind of like a big prison, right? Yeah. Like you'll see Hitler and you'll see Genghis Khan, right. you know, like all these famously <laughs> bad people. people yeah, yeah, yeah. And as he's lining up with others, he, you know, looks over at one point and he does see uh, like a Mongolian looking character and he's like, ah, Genghis Khan. Yeah. And then like later on when he gets to talk to him, he finds out that he's not Genghis Khan. He's just a Mongolian. <laughs> oh, like one of the millions that would probably also be there. Yeah. And probably also was pretty evil and killed lots of people and <laughs> didn't follow Jesus. So probably yeah, yeah. going to hell. Like, Being super evil doesn't make you a celebrity in hell. Yeah. No, it's, it's just the status quo, right? And why would every Mongolian you see like, no, there's millions of people down there and only one of them is going to be Genghis Khan, yeah. right? Like, and hell is set up in a way that's like... Like, not all the demons are so clever. It's a kind of fumbling, bumbling, but because of the magical powers uh -huh. instituted to the different deities and things like that, you don't have much hope. <laughs> but it's not like they can read your mind at all times. Right. You know, they're passing the daily torture demons that sort of, they do <laughs> the run of the mill activities down in hell. They might have a printout of your worst fears or, oh, you know, things yeah. like that they can use to so torture you. But they do their job efficiently. Yeah, but they're just like demons down in hell. They're not necessarily like super omnipotent magical beings. It's just their job. Yeah, it's just their job. <laughs> they enjoy it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, who doesn't enjoy turning someone over like a rotisserie chicken? <laughs> but yeah. it's just good fun. Yeah. So, we have this like outlying experience and you see that the burning head comes down everything is flaming hot there's mm -hmm. noxious gases so you're in a obsidian cell block and you have yeah. nothing 
even your bed is a metal rack that is very hot at most times. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's given off throughout, throughout the book that if Satan is angry, then everything is just hotter. Like <laughs> they said, there's nothing white and nothing cold in hell. Like there's just, everything is hot at all times. <laughs> like, and the basic outlying premise is that Satan is bored and constantly vying to make troublesome things happen on earth, the battlefield between heaven and hell. And so he's making a reality TV show. Satan seems to be obsessed with the idea of, you know, copying what's going up on earth and sort of, he's got a big ego, right? It plays like the South Park version of hell where yeah, like he's, yeah. he's very like superficial, like, <laughs> you know, and he cares about like, you know, the, the president of the United States uh, has a security team and is called uh -huh. POTUS. So Satan looks at that and goes, well, I need my own security <laughs> team and I also want an acronym. So I'll go for LPOD. Lucifer, Prince of Darkness, and Elpod, and everyone calls him Elpod, and he, then he also gets like oh a God. huge regiment of demons just to usher him around to give him. The, <laughs> he doesn't need protection. He's Lucifer, it's Prince like of a, Darkness, like a Kim Jong Un, like yeah, you know. guys running next to your limousine style oh of like, God. and all the security demons like they all usher him around in tight suits and they go Elpod's on the move like, and they just usher him around <laughs> okay. because his ego fuels it. That, that presents hell as like a place where. It's just this game field for Satan and the other higher demons yeah. to play their little game, and everyone just else do is a little just, bit of uh, side torture. Yeah, the, everyone in hell is just kind of torture bait. You know, <laughs> they're just begging for it. You know, yeah. and uh, the prisoners of hell also seem to realize this. Like, it doesn't take you long before you go like. The demons are in charge and punishment is cruel and I'll do anything to kiss ass. Like, yeah. that's the whole point of hell. Like, <laughs> it really is just like a prison block. It is, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it's saying about the American judicial system, but it certainly says uh, a little bit, a lot about the president. <laughs> <laughs> it likes to do that. Um, yeah. I found Alpod's dialogue a little bit jilted at first, mm. but it gets better. Like, as you, as his now character that, that, Now, that is surprising. A, a it book is. that, like, improves. It's over like, time yeah because you learn more about the character and you go well actually well, that is yeah. kind of what he would be like yeah usually like, these books like front load with the author's best work and that it's deteriorates off as the time. author stopped caring yeah, yeah well they, or, uh, they already as, sold the book yeah <laughs> it, it either drops off because they stopped caring or they picked up the bottle like that, yeah, those well. are the two things <laughs> yeah, sometimes i feel like they're not necessarily attached but sometimes you pick up the bottle and you stop caring about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so we have alpod we have his reality show that is basically set up so that Just for antics yeah set up for antics and set up to get a couple more hellish souls down to hell right mm. i guess the idea being that if you can make people on earth commit sins then they will go down to hell instead of going to heaven so it's an incentive for people in hell demons in hell to you know make humans sin yes yeah and they are gathering these teams to compete in a reality TV show for all the demons in hell, to send them up to Earth as spirits yeah. and on Black Friday. Oh. Uh, and it's a competition to see how many people they can get to sin uh, for over six hours, six minutes, and six seconds. <laughs> and what uh, kind of sins are we talking? Are we talking like well, just like wanton bloodshed? Uh, well, you'll be surprised. <laughs> so uh, they're given this power to do like a demon's whisper, right? Which is where you can float next to somebody's 
head and just whisper in their ear and it comes across to them as like your inner thoughts and you can manipulate people by like arguing things it doesn't work a hundred percent but because it's coming from their own head they imagine it as their own thought yeah it's like an inception type thing yeah so they are sent up to cause havoc on black friday you Mm -hmm. know when someone pushes you in front of the line, maybe that demon's whisper just tells you to, you know, bash them with your cart, you know, <laughs> or just something, you know, violent or angry or anything like that. And it's heavily criticizing the commercialism of Christmas. It's nice that the like social critique or the cultural critique is a secondary effect of the plot. Mm. Well, this whole book is a social critique in a funny way, right? It's, it's saying things about the president. It's saying things about the commercialism. It's yeah. saying things about Christmas and what we should do on Christmas and the things like it's speaking a lot. But it's going like this guy's in hell and yeah. the situation is funny. And but like. You know, it's making you, you think. You could it. just read it like on its surface, but it, it's a real book. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, Wh- what happened in our Amazon search that we like st- landed on? Well, they were the only ones that weren't Amish romance books. Well, yeah. So, they were the only ones to pick. I'm only going to read Stab Thick from <laughs> now on. I'm going to follow this series into the near future. Uh, apparently, the success of Jingle Hell has ushered on his uh, forthcoming uh, secondary sequel novel. And the battle oh. for the Souls series. So this is going to be continued. Okay. Um, and maybe we'll I, get to it next Christmas. Yes. But so you've got this reality TV show. Yeah. And this is also where he sees his teammates. But you don't get to talk to anyone in hell, right? So uh, when he has these moments where he can talk to people, it's very thrilling for everyone on board. And so you, you've got some random Mongolian guy who he just calls within the story Genghis because like, <laughs> he doesn't have a, like, a name that he can understand. So he just yeah. calls him Genghis. And then there's a f- French uh, Caribbean pirate, <laughs> but he speaks French, so you can't really talk to him either. There is a weird <laughs> Dutch, like, tweeny kind of depressive, you know, creepy yeah. guy who doesn't care about anything. <laughs> uh, there is a, a salesman, a corporate salesman, and a, you know, a marketing agency girl called yeah. Simone, who's the love interest in this story. There's a love interest? Yes, there is a love interest. As soon as Laverne, our main character, who is a rock star, he's yeah. a middle-grade rock star, is, sees Simone... There's an instant budding connection, but he prefaces this by saying, you cannot get aroused in hell. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't be hell. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can, like, go, like, wow, that's a pretty girl, but no coitus is ever going to happen. I mean, it wouldn't be hell if your dick worked, you know? Like, <laughs> otherwise, you could just masturbate. Like, no, 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 that's not happening. It's an element I didn't consider, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they're not going <laughs> to let you get off, you know? <laughs> just, just prevent it. From- yeah, and I enjoy that sort of, like, a tragic romance again you have this idea that oh, you know he he this is like the first girl that he's ever seen and oh no he's already in hell and of course his cock doesn't work <laughs> and of course he's never going to be able to see this girl outside of this crazy reality tv yeah, show in between you know? torture sessions yes <laughs> so they barely get any time together but gives him emotional fuel to get through the torture sessions (laughs) that are happening on the regular like hell is also there's something that plays with time where i'm pretty sure like you know time can be extended to the point where you can make torture sessions last for years like you know uh and only a short amount of time has passed up on earth so you really get the full working over yeah you know and every time it comes around to black friday and of course this it comes across in a really cool way one of my favorite scenes is the first time he gets sent up to yeah. you know cause trouble in a shopping mall 
he spawns the the methods for sending people up from hell is that they get flown in an airplane from hell and then they drop out and they get like sucked up into the sewage pipes and like come out of the toilet like <laughs> because it can't be nice for the people it can't Whoa. be like a cool experience so <laughs> no, like, yeah. every time he comes out he's like ah like you know that was gross you know that's true uh, it would and, be very cool to fly through a hellborn airplane but yeah it, but it's it's never nice for the occupants and <laughs> Uh, so it, he comes out, and the first thing he sees is in a male bathroom in the thing, and he sees urinal cakes. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, urinal cakes. They smell so good. Like, because in hell, nothing smells good. It's well, all no. sulfur and horrible. And, and burning flesh. And burning flesh. And uh, so the first thing he does is, like, smell the urinal cakes, you know, <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, this is heavenly. Like, yeah. ah, you know, he's, like, <laughs> drinking it in. But, of course, the time is running. Mm. He has to perform. Yeah. He does a bit of demons whispering. It doesn't get too much into the actual activity. And thank God, because I feel like that's too fun for him. Well, it would be a poor way to do a funny humor. It's not hilarious to watch multiple scenes of the same thing where you whisper something into someone's ear and then, and it gives a brief description of some comical moments, but it doesn't dwell on them and it moves on. Yes. Honestly, this, that's one of the most uh, impressive and surprising things. It's, it's done so well through most of the book. And I, I will say that like, yeah, the whole time I'm scared of like, oh, please don't yeah. do this for like. That's what we always face in these books is even when they have a good idea, they play it out way too hard. Yeah, and that's uh, they they, play they ruin it, it. Yeah, they ruin it. They ruin, ruin the moment. Ruin yeah. your own book. Yeah, and I mean, think about this from a story structure perspective. Yes, you've got a scene where, oh my god, he's only got six hours to cause as much destruction as possible. Yeah, you want the chapter to seem like it's running out of time, you know, and like. Yeah. So it should be short. It should be very succinct and it should be very direct Just and it very, should, boom, uh, yeah. action scene, yeah. like, and it's over. Economic storytelling. Yeah. You know, K.F. Johnson, you know, she doesn't put too many stabbings in her book. No, no. no. You don't want to overload on stabbing. Yeah. You just want one with 26 stabbings and then one at the end with a lot. Of yeah. She says, expect one stabbing and I'll give you two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So... And they manage to win. Team Brimstone wins the competition and they set a record. Simone, very efficient at getting people to fight each other. Real bitch. Yeah, she... (laughs) Well, this is the funny thing. Um, The first thing, they kind of have fun with it. You know, it's like, ah, yes, I can make all these horrible people who they think are acting horribly. You can make them... Convince them to do even more evil acts. Um, the other characters have a more difficult time with it. Obviously, Genghis Khan doesn't know what he's doing. Like <laughs> the pirates, kind of confused about all this new technology. Like the whole thing is is presented yeah. as like uh, you know very strange. But they're efficient at doing it. And then they get sent back to hell. Satan uh, Alpod is having a really good time with this, and he thinks they're doing fantastic. All the other teams get extra punishment for not doing so good, and Team Brimstone gets uh, very special deliveries. Um, nope. uh, they receive ice cream, uh, not vanilla ice cream, because you can't have white things. Oh. It's like a, a dark chocolate ice cream. Like <laughs> it makes a point out of saying like, well, there is no like you can't have white. So we're going to give you like things that are still dark in color, yeah. like at least. Like. <laughs> so and uh, he also receives a guitar because Alpod comes in and says, we need a catchy theme song. You know, and the other musicians down here, they're all too like vain and egotistical and like we need someone who's kind of cheap and you know like we'll just write whatever we want <laughs> yeah. so like you make our you know intro song and of course 
every time Alpod talks to anybody, everyone's just like, yeah, of course. Like, no problem. <laughs> I'll do whatever you great say. Great and wise leader. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just like, yes, 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 good, good. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> he, he just, um, Alpod becomes quite the funny character. It has this really great juxtaposition throughout the whole book. And if you've ever been on like a late night internet binge where you've gone oh, on yeah. some demonology websites and you've looked at some strange occult looking pictures or, you yeah. know, really anything to do with demons. And you, the illustrations are always like these pencil or charcoal sort of drawings that are kind of like itchy and creepy. And, yeah. and it has those images in the book as oh. well. The production on this book is really good. For example, when the uh, main character is being sucked back down, times run out in the reality yeah. TV show contest, uh, you're out of time, you get sucked back down the drains, yes. Uh, and the writing trails off in like an artistic manner. Like uh, the sentence trails down the page. Really? Yeah, like a, like the, the book is actually fleshed out in all those ways as well. Oh, wow. And it has a great it's actually you know, a visual experience to read it. Yes, and it actually has a high quality mark to the, the book that I find really satisfying. Yeah, that's um, bizarre. Yeah, it's, it looks professionally done and it comes across really well. It adds to the book, yeah. right? And that's what you want illustrations to do. You want it to add. And so it has these like really artistic embellishments of the demons. Right. And then it has a description of the demon before you get to meet him. Like yes. a stat page. Yeah. It tells you sort of like what the, you know, the Persians or the Babylonians thought about this demon, his greatest story, oh. and then fills you in. And then it has a little abilities list. Yes. It's like a skill tree. Uh, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> But it has an abilities list, like it can conjure plagues and oh. he's the master of the wind and, you know, like all these sort of strange things. And then it will be like, and he can recite any Katy Perry song at a cappella level, like <laughs> just, just as a unique torture method. <laughs> and after reading two or three of them, and there is like must be five or six or seven in them in the book in total. Yeah. These demon description pages. The whole serious description is the setup for the payoff at the end, which is like a really stupid ability description, which is like, can sing Katy Perry songs yeah. or, you know, uh, yeah, Malcolm, this uh, master of minds demon and top accountant can like scrutinize anybody's ledgers and, you know, like, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, also uh, leaves a little bit of milk in the bottom of the, you know, thing at the end of the day. Like, uh, just always, like, something stupid and uh, thing, but something, like, human and relatable where you, yeah. that, that pisses you off, yeah. you know. Like, when I find someone. milk at the bottom of my glass, I find it demonic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you have this big description and then one silly thing at the end just to be like, you know, this is how silly the whole topic is in general. Yeah. Brilliant funny i see it even got a couple laughs out of me like wow it's actually handled again deftly the show goes on and multiple series of this show happen team brimstone is on fire they cannot be defeated mm. a problem with uh, the guitar and Alpod wants a song out of him uh, however the demons just like having someone play music for them so they have a little concert hall set up where they make him play like ACDC tracks because demons like heavy metal. No, well, uh, yes. you know, and uh, they make him play. And he obviously likes it because while he's playing music for them, he's not being tortured. Well, uh, <laughs> and, but he also doesn't have enough time to like play concerts for them and then also write the song for Satan. So <laughs> Satan comes down and 
gives him a good rotisserie mode. Well, you know? yeah. <laughs> and but he doesn't rat the demons out because he knows if he rats the demons out, they will also torture him. So he just <laughs> he takes the torturing he's getting. Like the whole time he's just like, oh my god, figuring out how to not get tortured so much. And of <laughs> course, sure, just optimize my uh, torture <laughs> Yeah. So he's struggling to write the song uh, "Jingle Howl." Oh, it's the song that he is writing. Uh, and then this comes back in a big way. You actually get to see the lyrics for Jingle Hell. Really? And it's quite creative. I mean, the lyrics are there. Oh my God. Uh, and the actual lyrics. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, this book is fleshed out. I mean, it's really got everything you want from it. I saw the lyrics for the song. And then, uh, you know, after a little bit of research, I actually found out there's a real song that goes along with it too. Wow. This is really amazing. And we'll play that at the end. Over the course of this show, yeah. Simone and Laverne grow fond of each other and they commiserate a little bit and they enjoy each other's humor and uh you can laugh in hell i imagine yes you can laugh in hell of course laughter is get a boner yeah you can't get a boner (laughs) um and you can wisecrack at the demons but obviously each individual demon can take you and torture you for a thousand years if they so choose so like you really don't want to like laugh too much you know they're constantly trying to you know not appear to be enjoying themselves too much but uh, otherwise yeah. like one of the demons will go like eh, i don't like this i to throw you in the rotisserie like <laughs> you need a good licking like you know <laughs> and all these different demons have all these different methods of uh giving you a good torturing so one of them is working them over and as this session comes to an end by all chances laverne our rocker mm. sees Simone going in next, which is a very unlikely thing to happen in Hal. I mean, out of all these millions of tortured souls, how likely is it that you see the person that you uh, you know love uh, being dragged off next? Obviously, they both know that they're both being tortured, but then there is this instinctual rebellion because the torture in Hal is, yes, painful in its experience, but you go back to being you, I guess, mm. like... You never die. You don't have a heartbeat. Like you can be like reanimated, reconstituted, like you're constantly being remade to be tortured again. And I think there is a sort of rebellion between Simone and Laverne and going like, if I smile at you right now, then it's like they can't beat us. And there is even at one point when Simone sends a secret little letter to Laverne earlier in the story based on the fact that demons can't deliver cold things or that they're afraid of cold things so the salesman the other guy on their team uh-huh. is the one that is sent to each of their cells with a cooler of ice cream because none of the demons want to touch the cooler yeah because it's cold and <laughs> so they send the guy around and he delivers ice cream to each and one of the people as a way of like you know rewarding them yeah and Simone slips a letter to uh, Laverne that says like Buddhist quotes about how in prison you can free your mind and like they can never take your freedom away because you have your own free will and Mm -hmm. blah 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 and that comes back when they have this moment where they uh, meet each other in the torturing chamber (laughs) and uh, it's sort of like they smile at each other and, and sort of make like joking silent remarks about like your smile looks beautiful you know like rebellion of spirit it's kind of like we do this because we're antagonists of hell we're not like yeah good people we're like we don't want them to win so i'll smile just to spite them it's like a power dynamic like yeah. you know and you can't take it's the power. not expecting a, a it's such a deep dive from well, such a, a pull of the heartstrings to come from jingle hell yeah well it's funny because i was all prepared for some really schlocky romantic stuff but when it 
prefaces it by saying like you can't get fucking aroused like <laughs> say goodbye to your boner no sex is happening like the only thing going up anywhere is hot metal rods up your behind like, yeah well then, <laughs> that's, then, the only then thing, that's the only romance that satan's gonna give you now this culminates in when they are sent up in their third season of the show mm-hmm. uh and it appears obviously that alpod has it out for them he wants to shut this down well he just doesn't like the fact that they're winning and a lot of the demons don't like the fact that they're winning because they appear to be like overawarded. They seem like cocky. Team Brimstone just won the last two competitions. Yeah, I see. And the demons don't like any sort of winning in hell. <laughs> like even if you're winning the competition they design, like <laughs> no pleasure. No yeah. pleasure. Like, and they don't want them to win a third time. So they send them to a really campy, really tame town uh, for their challenge. Mm. Not like a massive shopping mall full of, you know, the American idiots that <laughs> yeah. will just say, each other already for right. like friday deals they don't need any demonic influence at all for no that's a easy pickings most of the time um <laughs> and they send them to a really campy really quiet town where other people are really friendly and not and as soon as they get up there they realize that this is a lost cause that they'll oh, never yeah. beat you know the other teams and simone and laverne commiserate on this and then decide to act and oh. you go well what could they actually do to yeah. do anything to Alpod or <laughs> how can they get out of this situation? What can they actually do to rebel? Uh, and it, it is a redemption of character that I not only is so built into the character of Laverne and Simone throughout their interactions and throughout his reflection of his life, but it, it also caught me off guard like i didn't even see it coming like oh my god and what he does is that he gives a young man uh he whispers in the the lyrics and the tune of jingle hell this classic metals rock song that he's spent this eternity yeah making and being tortured a good amount to create and then he's given it to him pro bono like he's just whispered into his ears like he like this is the inception of this brilliant song yeah um and it also it's like a song that is the theme song for this devilish show but to the i guess to the ears of someone who's listening on earth it would come across as like a critique on the commercialism and the uh the the ploy is that actually what the song will do is get people to stop the rabid commercialism and think like yeah it is crazy that we do these black friday deals you know and act so poorly on such a special holiday and the song in critique of that you know sounds like a devil's song ended up being an anti-capitalist anti-capitalist and then like of course he they do this as a way to spite the devil the devil has spited them and they go down and the demons obviously you know and they they do this knowing that they will go back down to hell and they will get rotisseried and bad torture yeah like and you know one of the specialist demons you know one of these uh, dukes of hell uh, tells uh, tells laverne (laughs) right before that uh, she is very unhappy with the level of, you know, the uh, a clout that he's attained among demon society. And <laughs> if that he fucks up, 
this time <clears throat> and doesn't win the competition that she's got some extra special things in store for him so he knows that it's going to be bad for him when he gets back does this anyway uh, and they return to hell much to the displeasure of satan who is now uh, you know uh, got some words to say to them but uh you know he uh is uh, you know in a sort of it's not an epilogue it's the final chapters but the deed is done yeah uh there he's being tortured and uh uh and Elpod comes to him and says like look i've actually got a you know like even though you screwed up real bad and i'm really annoyed about that you're kind of uh the dog shit musician we need to write our songs so i'm gonna put you back in the booth like (laughs) And gets uh, him strapped up with another demon to write some more uh, music for him. And then he is miraculously saved from this experience. Wakes up in heaven. Oh. Uh, and, uh, of course, Simone is there. And, you know, Gabriel is there. And he wakes up in his old slippers that he used to have when he was 17 or whatever. And they're, they're perfectly worn in and... Uh, everything is white and you know he he can order coffee but he, he he likes it with cream now because he doesn't like anything that's black like <laughs> the whole thing is quite funny still yeah. at this point um and it uh, and gabriel the, the the kind of final funny remark that is happening here is like oh you know we all like the little stunt you pulled and that was a very that was a very kind thing you did uh, and usually we don't pull people out of hell but you know given this is a special circumstance we sent down our uh you know our seal team six basically <laughs> and pulled you out you know <laughs> and you know simone is here and you can enjoy heaven and all the greatness that is heaven um okay it's uh, an interesting kind of ending yes and they do get to enjoy uh vanilla ice cream and you know all the things that go on on heaven physical arousal physical arousal yes uh plenty of that uh and then gabriel comes to him one day and he said like laverne how are you doing we have this idea for a show like and then it just ends like there so it doesn't like like it it does end and i guess that's kind of the sequel i loved the constant like because he's always sent back to his cell and you know long periods of time pass between interactions between characters and it's just glossed over that his daily life is the daily torture demons they're just like demon lackeys that just (laughs) they run his like little corner of hell and they just do whatever the fuck they want like there's no like he might impress satan but that has no impact on the daily torture demons. No. They're just like, they're his like personal trainers for demon torture. Like <laughs> He's just torture bait. Yeah, I know. They look at him and if he's smiling too much or playing the guitar too much, they'll torture him. But yeah. They'll turn him over and, and you know, hop, pipe up the bomb. <laughs> yeah, like, they'll, they'll torture anybody oh, yeah. <laughs> for any amount of time, yeah. for any reason. And in, in fact, it's, it's kind of like, because Alpod, right, gives him the guitar as sort of like a secret gift. Uh-huh. And he slips it in and he, he even <laughs> Satan is kind of like, look, I don't want anyone to see me giving you the guitar because like, I think you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. And even though he comes back and he's like, well, now that you have a guitar, you can write a song for me. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also done like Satan doesn't want to look like a pussy. Like, well, that's the thing is he's battling his ego and, and these things he wants to accomplish. But you can't give someone miserable a guitar like who doesn't know how to play it. You have to give it to someone who doesn't know how to play it. They're probably going to be fulfilled by that. Hmm. He's got a battle against his own 
conflict yeah. of I want everyone here to be miserable, but I also want things for myself. Mm. I probably need competent people because these demons, all they know how to do is it's, torture. Yeah, like it, it says the demons, it explains that they're like not stupid, they're like witty. Like they're witty in terms of like, they are always suspicious of what you do and what you want and like w w what you're asking. And usually when you <laughs> ask a question, they just like, heck you with an x or something like they just don't respond well to any interaction <laughs> but they're also not like intuitively clever like uh, yeah they're always suspicious but they don't think too much for themselves they'll slash anybody <laughs> <laughs> but like the whole time for example satan says like here's this awesome axe you know in terms of like you know it's it's a guitar like, you know, it's a real, like, you know, dope piece of equipment and make sure that you write that good song. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I've got a couple of demons that will, you know, show you some other accent. Yeah, really hack you to bits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and it's constantly like Satan just like every time he says something, he also reminds you that you're going to be tortured lots still. Like, yeah. he's like, this you can earn some real brownie points down here in hell. If still going to torture you. What kind of torture the shit out of you? But you might earn my favors. And the daily torture demons, they're going to be on your ass 24-7. But, like, here's a guitar. Like, <laughs> don't forget about the torture demons. And if you don't play that song good, I'm going to work you over even worse. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> constantly Levin's like, wow, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I wish, oh, my God, uh, uh, urinal cakes, my dream. Like, <laughs> people don't know how good they have it with urinal cakes. Like, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a funny, like. You'll, you'll be lucky if all you get for Christmas this year is a good stabbing yeah it's a funny book it speaks about christmas it happens on christmas it talks enough about christmas that you can say it's a christmas book yeah. for sure okay and it is delightful to read something that was humble it was a humble yeah. book it said like look you know i know this idea is not like big you know it's not yeah. like a crazy idea but you want to read a funny christmas in hell book mm. here you go is your Christmas in Hell book, and um, in no way did it disappoint. Wow. I found that even as someone who would never pick up a book like this, I was delighted. And I I think that it stands together with Stabbed for Christmas as an <laughs> equally maybe not as good i mean stab for christmas seems like it was like on like, cloud nine of, yeah, of storytelling it was firing on all cylinders but it it stands beside it in a way that i have not seen a book on the burncast do to date honestly this is affecting me in some sort of way because i don't know what happened like i like i don't know what happened maybe there was a christmas connection this is a christmas miracle that I, these two books they really leaped out at us i know and they they jumped out from behind a car and they 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 filled us up with a sharp amount of yeah. you know story they, they really stabbed a good narrative into it yeah I, I and i feel like i really got turned over <laughs> in a rotisserie motion you know <laughs> with, with, with heart and uh and, and character yeah it's a level of competence and craft that I have not seen on the Burncast and may never yet see again. Yeah, well, given the track record, I mean, it may be until next Christmas that we find something yeah. just as good. Now, I want to go ahead and say that this is what our original idea for the show was. Oh, yeah. Like, we yeah. would find these fucking, like, you know. We thought we would be, like, gem hunters. Yeah, like, real gem hunters digging out these books and being like, yo, you gotta raise it this. up, you know, raise it up. And, uh... This feels like the first episode of that show that could have been. Like, if books were really written with heart and intent and courage and passion. I think it's also worth saying that, like, you know, sometimes we come across a book that's like a, a clash of the blue demons. And that's a book that 
No one should read. Well, if we if we <laughs> <laughs> but it's just good in its own dogging VS there. <laughs> yeah. But mean, but like it's a book himself. it's a book that we always say like look with context. If this is the first book we reviewed for the show, we would hate it. But after all these episodes, we can really praise it. I think these two books, from what I understand about yours and from what I know about mine, I do not think that like our lowered standards because we read schlock most of the time have been affected by this. I think stab this Christmas stands like outside of the burn cast as something that i would just read yeah that's a real book it's a real story you could easily make that into like a good 90 minute film and it would have like as much impact as yeah you could flesh that out you know with some impactful long shots and some you know real (laughs) close-ups at the right moment yeah do like 26 quick cuts Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> With that like violin, like, yeah, whip, yeah. Whip, and, whip, and then really work the actors for their uh, performance. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, stabbing is a great uh, literary device. You can really shift the plot in different directions. Yeah, really give it a lot of motion. Yeah, yeah. And a real uh, in and out sort of between the dynamics of the people. You really develop a sharp character. Yeah. <laughs> With a real point to the story. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you can just, uh, you know, slice through plots. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> How come you keep coming up with them and I haven't got <laughs> any really carve out a niche for yourself? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I am going to have a very merry Christmas. Yes. And if you go pick up Jingle Hell or Stabbed this Christmas, you will not be disappointed if you pick up either or both of these stories. I mean, I feel like this was a, a pitch in the dark and somehow we caught it. Yeah. There is a very slim glimmer of hope, like a... Mm. A shard of light piercing through hell's brimstone black clouds. Yeah, or like, or like a gleaming knife on a long piece of silver. Yeah, like Gabriel's arm reaching down and plucking you out, or a, a sharp peering knife piercing <laughs> the torso of, you know, uh, bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> Go pick these books up, buy them, read them, enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, they're the only books out of the Burncast roster that were, I would actually recommend. And we'll see you for the next holiday season we'll see you for season four yes and here is the actual song from the book jingle hell by dirk and the hellions happy holidays everyone
Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the show. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to subscribe and join in the conversation with us on one of our platforms. You can find us on Discord, Twitter, and Reddit. You can support the show through Patreon or just by sharing the show with your friends. Thanks.